Good morning. It's Wednesday, August 5th, 2015. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 202, and my name is Chris. And it's a nice, beautiful Pacific Northwest out today, and I'm about to get uh, myself a little treat. I'm going to go down and see my buddy Chase at his work at uh, Como Plaza, down where they have the local ABC affiliate. I'm going to get myself a tour of how they do the broadcasting down there. It's pretty exciting. Kind of looking forward to it. Going to grab some lunch down in Seattle. Should be a good time. Then we're going to come back up here this afternoon and do uh, Unfilter. So that should be pretty fun. But right now, my job at hand is the news today. So let's jump into today's tech news and bring in our mumble room. Time-appropriate greetings, mumble room. Good. Time of probes, guys. Hello. (laughs) Uh, All right. So this actually first story is kind of just a warm, fuzzy, good feeling story. Something I think we are all happy to see. Brand new version of LibreOffice is hitting the web. Version 5.0. It's the new cornerstone of uh, mobile and Android clients as well. So this is a big deal. It's not just the desktop client as we know it. It's got a whole bunch of new features. I like this. Spreadsheets that rock. An impressive new features in the spreadsheet module. And a beautiful office design. Uh, new icons, major improvements to menus and sidebars. There you go. Congratulations to the LibreOffice folks. Not much really more to say because you know what's... Uh, you know, if, you're into, if you're into LibreOffice, you know what it brings to the table. But it's very exciting to see something very important to us to continue to get a great update. So that's our good, good feeling story of the morning. Ah, that's nice. Now that we've taken that nice, deep, refreshing breath, yikes, look out because another flash attack has been spotted this time against Yahoo users. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this one is something we warn about all the time in, in TechSnap, and I will probably have to give it some further attention this week in TechSnap. What happens is, and by the way, another one spotted by Malwarebytes, who's trying to make a name for themselves now is more of a research company and not just that tool you use to clean up crappy Windows machines. So, uh, you know, in the face of things like YouTube switching to HTML5, Facebook and others uh, sort of auto-blocking Flash for a couple of days. Flash has been getting a bad rep, but the one that we always say could be the disastrous one is the ad networks that use Flash. Because if you could get malware into an ad network, then you'll go across tons and tons of trusted websites. You just have to get one vulnerable platform. Well, that's exactly what happened. Malware Byte spotted the attack, which was described as one of the largest malvertising attacks <laughs> malvertising in recent history. It was aimed at Yahoo's ad network. As Malwarebytes suggests and points out, not only are malvertising attacks extremely dangerous, but they're often very hard to track. Malvertising is a silent killer because malicious ads do not require any type of user interaction in order to execute their payload. The mere fact of browsing to the website that has adverts, the complexity of the online advertising economy makes it easy for malicious actors to abuse the system and get away with it. With over 6.9 billion, yeah, I said billion. With over 6.9 billion views per month, Yahoo is one of the most lucrative targets for hackers. Yikes. Adware. Malware. Malvertising. Is this the first time you guys in the mumble room ever hearing that, or have you heard malvertising before? Am I just late to the game on this, even though I've been thinking about this particular problem for like two years? Christopher, I've never heard of that. Okay. What was that, WW? I've never heard of that term before oh. malvertising. That's totally new to me. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, all right. Anybody else? I thought that was kind of kind of odd, but uh, this is really the nightmare scenario. And Google's been pretty good about, uh, not actually perfect, but pretty good about clamping down on this. Uh, and, you know, the, the potential damage there is huge. The potential damage there is extremely huge. Uh, all right, so bad week for Apple, guys. Real bad week for Apple. Real bad. Real bad. A new uh, bug 
is being exploited to infect Macs without a need for the password. Now, yesterday I was saying one of the great things about Thunderstrike over the network, like one of the nice things is it requires a software payload to be run as administrative privileges, so it's going to prompt them for that password. Well, I did have a caveat saying, though, if you could find another flaw to bypass that password prompt, then you'd really have yourself a nice piece of malware. Well, mm, 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 mm. well, guess what? A new flaw has been discovered in the latest version of OS X, which allows hackers to install malware and adware onto a Mac without the need for a system password, researchers say. The serious zero-day vulnerability was first identified last week, a modified error logging feature in OS X that we, we spoke about. They can now use this to bypass the password, which hackers are able to exploit and create files with root privileges. It's currently in fully patched versions of OS X. Now, I was just saying on the pre-show, you guys might be getting a little glossed over with all these security stories. What's going on? What are we just like... Have we just are we just like under massive attack all of a sudden or something like that? No, 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 no. This happens, you know. Anytime Black Hat or uh, um, what's the other one? Not Def Black Con. Defcon, yes, Defcon comes around. Anytime one of those big conferences comes around, you get you get a couple of weeks of this. Uh, we we call this a fishing season for TechSnap, but it, it it basically inundates you with tons and tons of crap. Now on TechSnap, we try to go through and actually find the ones that have legitimate technology or based on legitimate, you know, technology and studies, and we try to cover those. But the reality is, I think there's some, <clears throat> I think there's some merit to covering them here in this show, even if we're covering more of them, and sort of covering the ones that uh, have different levels of merit to them, because, because they're so now prevalent in the general conversation, in the general technology conversation, that I think it's pretty important that we talk about them, and sometimes with some skepticism, sometimes with some non, you know, sometimes well, this is a real problem, like we were talking about with yesterday's, uh, that I think are still value in discussing them here. And I hope you don't get fatigued by it. Because I think it's still important to stay informed. Because if, if you kind of let go and decide not to follow these stories, then it's really easy to get sort of steamrolled by these things. Because they sound bad. They sound very scary. They sound almost unfixable in some cases. And the reality is there's a lot of people that just make a, they get, they have a lot of reasons to get these things to get attention. Researchers that get exposure, companies like Malwarebytes get known in a new industry. These guys drive people to their talks at at uh, Deb at uh, Black Hat or uh, whatever the other one is. I don't know why I can't remember it this morning. Um, these things are just ways to advertise their services and their knowledge. They're not necessarily making them up, but they also have an incentive to make them sound very bad and to promote them and give them cool names and things like that. That's why I think it's important that we sit here with a bit of perspective and discuss these things. And I hope that you find our coverage is both informative and also slightly different than maybe a lot of the other tech press coverage. Um, but your feedback and the way we cover these is always structured by our subreddit, techtalktoday.reddit.com. All right, so let's talk about Android for a little bit. There's an interesting uh, conundrum that we find ourselves discussing in a lot of different ways, or really since... Hell, 2012 now, it's Android fragmentation. And there's a new, a new set of visualizations put out by a group called OpenSignal. Uh, you might be familiar with them if you've ever used any of their kind of cool apps. They let you troubleshoot, like, you know, signal towers near you and things like that. They're a pretty cool company. And they have put out a set of data visualizations to help us kind of conceptualize the state of the Android e- ecosystem fragmentation. And if you're watching the video version, there is a there is a, a, visualize, a visualization being shown right now. If you're listening, there is a link in the show notes. We have a couple of different links to it. And what we're seeing is over time how the Android landscape has shifted around a bit in types of devices, which is good for developers to know. Uh, here's another one <clears throat> that shows uh, the brand proliferation over the years. 
And uh, if I if I go into a static version of the map here, we can see here that uh, the largest device, the largest uh, share of market for the Android ecosystem is the Samsung Galaxy S3. That's uh, the number one Gal- uh, Android phone by market share, followed by the S5, actually, followed by the S4, and then uh, a couple other Galaxy phones, <clears throat> a couple other different variations, the S2 is in here as well, and then the Note, uh, then the Note 2. Samsung clearly owns the majority Samsung clearly, clearly owns, like, you go down here to all these little tiny guys, like, it's like there's some LG dot, dots down here. Um, the Nexus 7 is way down here, even. You know, even the Nexus 6 is way down here, right? Way down here. Pretty respectable, but way down here. Way, way down here. Moto G is pretty respectable, but nowhere near the Samsung devices. The, the, the Xperia's are barely showing up on the map midway. But man, the Samsung devices totally own the Android ecosystem. And you know what's interesting is they're still losing their ass right now. Just last quarter, they lost their ass again. <laughs> Look, I've stopped, I've stopped reporting on it because it's the same story. And I just don't want to do the same story every three months. But it's every month, every, three, every quarter report, every three months, they're just losing their ass. And yet, look at this. They own the entire top section. The first device out of their peripheral is the Nexus 5 over here. Look at that. The Nexus 5 is like one of the best Nexus devices ever made. I don't know. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? And if you change it around, if you go back one year, if you go back one year in time, Samsung has an even stronger lead. But Motorola has a bigger lead, too. The Nexus has a much larger lead. So over the last year, Samsung, in a large way, has consolidated its lead. Motorola has lost a ton of its lead. Look at that. The market is going more in Samsung's direction. There are some other contenders in here, but uh, Samsung does it, Samsung does have a... Wow, this looks like an American flag. Samsung has basically where all the stars would be on the American flag, and then all of the other uh, OEMs have where all the stripes would be. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, and then when you go forward to uh, 2015, Samsung has less market, but it's still the massive dominated player. I just thought this was a really way interesting way to visualize uh, this particular thing. Um <clears throat> If you look at it in another way, uh, in this particular graph here, they've consolidated all of Samsung to one color. And you can see that Samsung is half of the Android ecosystem. They're larger than LG, Lenovo, Hawaii, Asus, HTC, Sony, the Verizon branded phones, the Nexus devices, ZP, Oppo. They're larger than all of them combined. Man, that is really something. So it's really... Really, when it comes to Android, in a, lot, in a lot of ways, it's really Samsung versus Apple when you're looking at those two platforms kind of competing. And who's making money? None of them. None of them are making money in this list. Huh. That is really something. None of these guys are making money. Well, actually, I, I mean, Yame is, yeah, so that's true. That's... It might not just be the phones they're making money on. Yeah, yeah. 2.6% are running Lollipop. 85% of iOS users are running the latest iOS. 2.6% are running the latest Android. It's a pretty cool article. Uh, I, have t- I have two linked in the show notes, one from The Verge and one from the next web. And uh, I don't know, I just found that, I just, I find it to be, I, I, am, I find myself to be extremely fascinated about the state Android is in. Um, 
Well, I think Noah has a kind of has made me change tracks on it a little bit. He and I have been talking about it a lot while we were driving back and forth to OSCON. And, you know, we both are huge Linux advocates. And, and in some ways, it's so thrilling to see a Linux-based platform just totally become the largest operating system in the world. And that is, like, unbelievable and how fast it happened. I, I, if, you would have told, if you would have told the host of the Linux Action Show nine years ago about this, he would have said this was the most amazing thing that's ever happened to Linux. And, and how could you even have any concerns about it? It's so great that Linux being adopted like that matters more than anything else. And now here we are at the other end of that. And I look at it and I go, I, 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 look, at these, I look at these platforms and I see them riddled with vulnerabilities that leave their users exposed to their data being stolen or their machines being compromised. I see, I see platform vendors that take advantage of end users and force them into continuous upgrade cycles that don't push out simple updates just because they don't need to. I just see total – I see that the users have no control over their devices. Google has thrown the users under the bus to make the, to make the devil's, devil's deal with the carriers and with the uh, OEMs. So that way the end users are just screwed. That's why only 2% of them are on, are on the latest OS and why 85% of iOS users are on the latest OS. And the only reason why that number isn't higher, by the way, is because there's so many 16-gigabyte devices. And with iOS 9, they fixed that problem. So iOS 9 will probably, most likely, have a higher adoption rate than iOS 8 does. And meanwhile, Lollipop, they are, they are going to lap Lollipop. Do you understand that? Right? In the fall, they will release iOS 9, and they will get a higher adoption rate than Lollipop does, which has been out for a year. Okay? They are going to lap Lollipop. It's pathetic. And it's because they made that deal with the carriers and the OEMs to allow them to customize the OS instead of having them push the updates out directly. I mean, for God's sakes, even Microsoft got it mostly right, right? So I think it's kind of, it's kind of a bittersweet story a little bit. And, I, and I'm surprised by how much, it takes, how much processing it takes for me to actually get through this reality. Because it's, it's, it's such a conflict of where I would have thought, how happy I thought I would have been. And then I get to where I'm at. And I, and I keep... I keep getting tricked too. I like I keep getting tricked into trying out like the new S6 because I think well maybe if I just get an 8 core processor with the best video card in a, in a mobile device and uh 3 gigabytes of RAM and if I just get a re- really fat with the new faster uh, EMC storage like this this will be finally what it takes to make Android a really great operating system. And and then of course I just keep getting smacked in the face with like memory issues and and all these kinds of problems that are just unbelievably frustrating and it's exact it's the exact problems that come up when you have a disconnect between the carriers, the creator of the operating system, and the people that are customizing and shipping it. It's exactly what comes up every single time. And I and and then the same thing is happening with my Watch R from LG. Every other every other Android watch that got an update that has a Wi-Fi chip in it, except for mine. Even though I even though I have one of the newer ones. I have one of the most most popular ones. LG is going to ship a separate update at some other time. Every other watch got an update, except for mine. Now I'm running on one version that doesn't get the Wi-Fi chip activated. It's the same crap, and it's happening in the watch. And I just... It doesn't have to be like this in 2015. It, doesn't, it does not need to be like this. That's why I keep hoping these alternative operating systems will come around and actually get somewhere. Anyways, end of rant. I just... I find this... I find uh, open signals data to be extremely interesting. Um... I go through it now, and I just think I just I think maybe maybe fi- maybe Google will do every I/O. I think maybe Google will fix this, uh, uh, but they they never have yet. I don't know, Mumbrum. Any any thoughts on on this particular challenge where 
Android is kind of a, a walking pile of vulnerabilities and a mismatch of implementations and a mixed bag where sometimes it's a really great system that allows for some super great customizations and can really push technology. And other times it feels like it's spying on you and falling apart at the seams. Am, am I wrong or do you guys feel consen- – you guys agree? Is there a consensus here? I think you need to put it on an iPhone. I just watched a video literally the other day that um, some Dutch guys in the in you know put I uh, put Android lollipop on an iPhone and said to people to trick them. Here's iOS nine. What do you think? And they loved it. And I'm like, wow. Why don't we do this for Android to up their market share? Just say, you know, just compare the OS. And see, stuff. I Get thought more that, people see, on board. That's that's. That basically was the reason I bought the S6 because I was like, super well built, uh, high end, high end parts, fingerprint reader, great camera. It's basically the iPhone version of an Android device. I mean, it's even they even made it out of glass for God's sakes. Um, but it, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't hold up. It just does it it I, I I they have pushed out an update that has made it significantly better. Now I only have to reboot my phone every three days, which I can actually. I can manage to do that, but it, because it's three days, it's just long enough that I forget when the last time I rebooted, and then all of a sudden I notice my phone is just completely crap. And I go, well, why is my phone? Oh, yeah, I haven't rebooted for a couple of days. On my iOS devices, I, I, I don't even know the last time I've rebooted any of them. They always consistently perform the same. And I, that's what I expect out of a phone. That's what I would like my mobile operating system to do, is essentially have a baseline set of performance, kill whatever processes it has to kill in the background, you know, sleep whatever you have to sleep. That's what these mobile operating systems do already. So it's not that unusual to just do it very well and, and, and give me consistent performance in a hardware appliance device. That's sort of my baseline expectation for an operating system. If my desktop operating system doesn't do that, like Windows doesn't do it after a while, I move on. There's no reason computers should behave like that. I don't care if it's a mobile device or a desktop device. If that is code rot, if that starts happening. So, uh, anyway, anybody else want to jump in on the top? I don't want to bewilder it too much. It's just, and I'd also like to get comments in the subreddit about this because I really am kind of grappling with this because uh, I, I don't, I don't even see things like Cyanogen Mod as much of a solution. They seem to be an improvement, but they never seem to quite get it right either for me. Like when I try Cyanogen Mod, I often have. Um, uh, you know, maybe like my camera doesn't work quite right or, or some functionality just is missing or my Wi-Fi and Bluetooth don't work at the same time. Like I've just had I've had a range of issues. Um, so I, I don't I don't know what to do about it. I'm just curious what the where where where, where you guys out there, if you've struggled with this question, if if Android isn't the right platform for you, you don't necessarily like the idea of moving to iOS, but you want something that provides modern applications that people target that is fun to use, that works well, that has good battery. This is, for me, it's a particularly challenging issue. This is why I went to a Nexus device, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I really, for a long time, did enjoy the Nexus 5 for quite a while. It just, after a while, became like, it didn't, it, it just seemed like I was compromising a lot to keep this device. And the performance after a while did start to slow down for me. And so that's when I jumped to the S6. And, well, uh, you- and I kind of miss the S, uh, kind of miss the Nexus Five in some respects, but the build quality between the two devices, you you, you really start to see once you've held like the S Six, you start to realize the Nexus Five is a cheaper device. It, you can really feel the difference. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just use the S Six for a while. And I gave my Nexus Five to Noah, and now he loves it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> 
even with the Nexus devices, though, it depends on what carrier you're on as to whether or not you're going to get the uh, standard updates for them. True. Turns out uh, Ting was really good about that. Ting never gets in the way. Basically, just comes from Googs or whatever. I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, thanks for the perspectives, guys. Um, I'm basically, I don't know. It's not like I can do. I'm just going to have to keep thinking about it, I suppose. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I do have something I want to mention. We ha- our, our patrons haven't bumped up at all this week. And boy, would we love to see these go up because we have so much, so much to do. And we really want to bring in some support staff in-house. I don't really necessarily want to turn to advertisers for that particular thing because I like the idea of being able to stay flexible with our advertisers. And if I'm paying for support, I'm paying for support staff with that money, I can't be as flexible. That's essentially what it comes down to. That's one example of where we're going. This Friday on the Linux Action Show, we're going to have some huge changes. And um, it's, the, it's the kind of experimentation that might not, we might not do forever. We might just try it once or twice. But it's pretty radical. And it's only something that we could do if we had sort of a safety net from our audience. Because it's so radical that it could cause a sponsor to pull out. That's risky. And I, I appreciate the fact that I have this support net here that I, I can take creative risks to keep the shows fresh, to keep – well, it's, it's vital, right? It, you have to be able to do these things. And uh, if you're locked in too much, you kind of prevents flexibility. And so as this number goes up, even with some of our most important shows, we're able to take some pretty creative risks because we're doing it for the audience. That's why we know we can do it. And that's why your support matters a lot. Patreon.com slash today. It's not just about support staff. It's not just about when hardware fails. It's about being able to take huge creative risks in some of our most important shows and know that we're not going to lose the farm if things don't work out perfectly. Patreon.com slash today. Thanks to all of you who support our network. Okay, so a lot of talk about Windows 10 the last few days. Some of it extremely positive, some of it not so positive. It does remind us of simpler days when you got the presentation from the man himself, Mr. Bill Gates, which made it so much better when things went wrong because, well, it was happening to the man himself, Bill Gates. That's where we'll go with today's end of show clip. Thanks so much for tuning in. I should be here tomorrow if everything works out, but you can always check out at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Topics, ideas, comments, feedback, techtalktoday.reddit.com. Thanks for being here. See you tomorrow. Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device, and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner build... Whoa. <laughs> Moving right must, along. That must be. Uh, that must be why we're not shipping Windows 98. Yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>